everyone, and welcome to the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. This is our weekly get-together every Monday night to talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And as Mark Donahue, my co-host, and I were talking before we went on the air, I'm a little bit uh, disenchanted with the Cleveland Indians this week, so you'll have to forgive me, but the Reds, they didn't have a very good week either. The Reds. A rough week, the Indians, a rough week. Yeah, the Reds were 2-4, and four, and uh, they, they really went down to San Diego after sweeping San Francisco and, and spit the bit, lost three in a row. And, uh, you know, what is frustrating so much about what we've been talking about over the last, really, four months, maybe even back to the end of last year, is it's the same issue time and time and time again. In the Reds' case, it's a lack of offense. They've been shut out ten times. And, you know, it's not something that um, is going to get fixed by itself. It just it just won't. And, um, you know, right now they got Jay Bruce at first base, and he just booted a ball uh, that cost him a run uh, in a one-run ball game, and they refused to go out and do anything. I, I just – it's it's really uh, very disappointing given the pitching they have. And uh, I, I don't understand. You've got a guy who's never played first base in his life, and because you don't have enough hitters – you bring him in from right field, you put him at first base, and, of course, he makes an error in the first game. It's now one-to-one. So, you know, after a while, it doesn't really do any good to talk about it because the Reds obviously aren't going to make any moves that are, are going to improve this team. So uh, you have to hang with them, and uh, I guess the same can be said for the Indians. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Indians, as I said, I'm disenchanted with them. And you and I have discussed this for the last three weeks, almost ad nauseum. Mark, I really don't know which is more boring, watching a World Cup soccer game or the Indians and Reds try to hit the baseball. <laughs> well, I think soccer's more boring, but uh, it, it's, you know, you can't let a, a, this kind of situation ruin your whole summer, but if you're a baseball fan and you see the potential of this team, it, it's just kind of miraculous that they let ridiculous things like this occur on a major league roster, I, I don't understand it. I mean, they have, right now, they have 23 players they can put out there. Uh, <laughs> they don't make a move? Are you kidding me? They don't even bring up somebody from the minors who can play first base. It's yeah, Mark, I mean, we, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago as far as we got a question on our Ask Us segment, which is coming up at the bottom of the hour, and we've got some other questions. By the way, if you've got a question, be sure to send it to us to Ask Us at ultimatesportstalk.com or dmitch at ultimatesportstalk.com. But, Mark, we got the question a couple of weeks ago, who's more likely to make a move, the Reds or the Indians? And I believe I said uh, that the Indians would probably make a minor move and Walt Jockety would sit there on his hands and do nothing. And sure enough, what happens today? The Indians went out and made the move that's going to win them the division. They got Chris Dickerson for cash considerations, from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Reds fans remember Chris Dickerson because this guy has played in an amazing 314 major league games at the age of 32. He has a batting average of 262 and he's been on now five major league teams. Make that six. Reds, Brewers, Yankees, Pirates, Orioles, and now the Indians. Do you remember this guy? I sure do. And when he came up, he was a pretty good prospect. Left-hand hitter, had good speed. Uh, actually had a couple of big games for the Reds uh, when, when he first came up, but uh, clearly not a you know a major league uh, superstar by any stretch of the imagination. But it's you know, Dave, there ha I'm not trying to oversimplify or underestimate the difficulty in a team. Oh, please do. Well, I mean, in, in a team going out and trying to make a move. I know it's difficult. There are roster considerations. There's payroll considerations. But we're not talking about going out and getting a superstar to come in here and help the team. There's there's a lot of guys playing in Major League Baseball that could help the Reds, and you could get, and you wouldn't have to give up a starting pitcher. But they just, I, I don't know what what the issue is when you have some of the relief pitchers who don't get anybody out have ERAs in the four and five and six range, and the manager says they're valuable parts of our bullpen. 
What am I missing? Mark, I, I think we're, we're both missing something here. because I, And I'm going to take the Reds into consideration here. Because both teams needed a left fielder or a right fielder, a power-hitting outfielder like Nelson Cruz, who is going to be on the American League All-Star team. He's leading the major leagues in home runs and RBIs. Granted, this guy came to the Baltimore Orioles making $8 million a year. My question to you is, Mark, how much did the Reds just spend on Iglesias, the Cuban pitcher they brought in? $27 million over five years. For over five years. Yeah. So that's $5 million. No, I'm sorry. I think it maybe it could have been six years, actually, or seven. But it, but okay. it was $7 million. Okay. Did they need this kid? Well, no. If they, he's not going to be major league ready for a couple of years, so clearly, it's not going to. He's not going to help them win this year. That's for sure. So for four million dollars more, three to four million dollars more a year, they could have had a bat in that lineup rather than spend it on Iglesias that they didn't need. They let Nelson Cruz go to Baltimore, and that's what they needed, and didn't take him. Well, it's again, we could dwell on this endlessly in terms of the frustration that it engenders in Reds fans, but um, you know we're not the only one. When you read the blogs, when you read the articles, <clears throat> frankly, what you don't hear is the mainstream press ever complain or carp about uh, you know any any major league team anymore. We've said this before. They're afraid to. They're afraid to come out right. and say, "Why won't you step up and do something?" And again, we're not talking about going out and signing a uh, a superstar, a free agent superstar to come in and you spend $100 million. No, we're not. We're talking about a 4 or $5 million player who can come in and play first base or play right field or play left field, whatever you need. <clears throat> and to, to believe that a, a Ryan Ludwig, who has grounded out the shortstop for about the 9,000th time this year, um, is going to help this team and the guy you're going to rely on to be the bat behind Joey Votto? Uh, golly. Mark, I've got to ask you a question. Jay Bruce at first base. Why not move Frazier to first base and play Schumacher at third? Of course, David. Of course. Anybody anybody would assume that would be the move. <clears throat> or, or put... Uh, if they want to give Zach Kozar the day off, you, you can still do that. And Schumacher, and you have Heisey could play the outfield, keep Bruce in the outfield, Frazier at, uh, at, uh, first, uh, at first base. I don't know. There's got to be things I don't understand. I, I'm just uh, just a poor boy from Ohio. What do I know? <laughs> well, and that's the same way I feel about the Indians, and I have felt this way for years. I thought the transition to Terry Francona as manager and the signing of Nick Swisher and Michael Bourne was going to invigorate this franchise and take them into new realms. Boy, was I wrong. Because they have finally gotten Carlos Santana to hit, Mark. Over the last month, he's batted over 300, and he started hitting the ball with some authority. Why? because he's not catching anymore. But they go out today and they get Chris Dickerson. Why? Because Michael Bourne is on the DL after straining his hamstring again for the third time this season. He's on the disabled list now until after next week's All-Star break. But who did they get rid of, Mark, in order to get Dickerson on the team? Their backup catcher, George Cateras, which means... Santana is going to have to go back behind the plate for spot duty as catcher. He can't catch. They have weakened the entire ball club by making this move, moving Brantley to center field. I, I don't understand all this, Mark. They've got a shortstop third baseman playing left field sometimes in Micah Villies. They've got a second baseman in Ryan Rayburn playing right field at times. They've got a third baseman who should be the right fielder in Lonnie Chisenhall. And they think that they could just bring in, pardon pardon my friend, crap, and put it on the field and Terry Francona 
is going to keep this team in contention. Amazingly, he has. I don't know how, but he has. Same thing with Brian Price, Mark. I don't know how Brian Price has kept the Reds in contention. I think both guys have done an outstanding job of managing with both hands tied behind their back by the front office. I agree. The Reds, the Reds are the worst team in uh, baseball in terms of runs scored. And, uh, you know, they've, they've been shut out ten times. And I don't. I was going to look it up this today and I forgot. But th- this team has scored one, two, or three runs more frequently than any team in baseball, which doesn't give you a chance to win most of the time. If you score one or two runs, you usually aren't going to win. And they've got great pitching. And uh, it's – anyway, I, I think – when you look at what is going to be happening to this team over the next few weeks, Joey Votto is, is very likely to go into DL again. Uh, it's likely his season could be over if this thing is as serious as everyone believes it is. He at least is going to miss another month. You can almost be assured of that. So it's a, it's a tough situation, and I don't see it getting any better soon. And, and I, I don't know what they need to do, but I, I'm just completely baffled by the fact that they don't bring up Donald Butts to play first base, and they put and they put Jay Bruce at first base. Are you kidding me? What what is that? And it's nothing against Jay Bruce. He's trying and he's willing to do it. But what? Which there's just no there, there's no explanation that makes any sense for that. Well, I understand, you know, and I and I get it, Mark. But I guess the question that I have is, okay, Joey Votto's injury is a quad injury, correct? Correct. Okay. Same basic injury that Encarnacion just suffered Saturday for the Toronto Blue Jays. And they're expecting him to be out at least a month. And what are the Blue Jays doing, Mark? They're only a game behind in the American League East. What are the Blue Jays doing? They have already made contact with the San Diego Padres to try to get Chase Headley away from the Padres to come in and play third and move Francisco to first base. That's what a proactive front office does. Yeah, and uh, it's amazing how the Reds had, had a chance to do, you know make a lot of deals. And, you know, it's almost as if we're not being told something because it makes so little sense. All you're left to do is to scratch your head and wonder why. And I, I just wish they would somehow tell people what's going on so you don't think they're a bunch of dorks. Uh, and, and they're, you know, it's, it, there has to be something we don't understand that you would make, not make some kind of move when your best hitter is likely going to DL and now you're bringing in outfielders to play first base. You have 23 guys on the roster. Your, your backup catcher is on paternity leave. And you don't do anything about it. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally at a loss with, with all of this. And what really has got me at a loss? Well, before I get into this, let me let me give up a little house cleaning items here. I put on Facebook earlier tonight that similarity is the word for the Reds and Indians. Similarity yet different, because. Cincinnati is 45 and 42 going into tonight's game with the Cubs, but they're in fourth place in the National League Central behind Milwaukee. The Indians, 43 and 44 going into tonight's game against the Yankees, but the Indians are in third place. The similarity, they're both six games out of first place. That's the similarity between the two. But the problem is, is that the Indians pitching has been atrocious, and their hitting hasn't been much better. The Reds, they're staying in this thing just mainly because they've got outstanding pitching, no hitting, but they're six games back because Milwaukee is such a good ball club. Yeah, the Reds have won seven out of ten against them, so go figure. It's really been tough. Hey, the Oakland-Chicago deal, this is what I wanted to get into. Unbelievable trade, Mark. Unbelievable trade for Oakland, don't you think? Yeah, I think it was a great trade for Oakland. And, you know, Billy Bean is really stepping out of his normal domain uh, and going after some for some, you know, big numbers because this team has a chance to win, and he knows it. And, uh, you know, they, they have a, a great team and good pitching, good hitting, and 
Now they can do something. They have some latitude at the trade deadline. They're, they have an abundance of pitching now. <coughs> Pardon me. <clears throat> they can go out and do something with that pitching and bring right. in the pass that they might need. <coughs> well, in case you missed it, that trade was the Chicago Cubs sent to Oakland Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill, two of their best pitchers this year. Four, a 2012 first-round pick, Addison Russell, who's a shortstop, 2013 first-round pick, Billy McKinney, pitcher Dan Straley, and a player to be named later. That gives Oakland, as far as I'm concerned, not only the West, but I think they're the predominant favorites to win the American League this year because that starting staff right now with Gray, Kazmir, Samarja, and Hamill is just outstanding, Mark. And don't forget the impact of that trade on the Cubs. You look at their roster now, especially at A, and they have got some great talent down there. And the Cubs are maybe a year or two away from being a real top team. And uh, I think it was a good deal for both teams, and that's the way it ought to be. The Cubs aren't going to do anything this year. But I tell you, in, in 2015 and 2016, uh, that team can make some noise, which makes the Central even tougher. And, and you know what this says to me, Mark? That Oakland's going for it, and Chicago is going for it. They may not be going for it this year, but they're going for it, like you just said, in two years. Meanwhile, what a lot of people don't know and was disclosed yesterday by the Cleveland Plain Dealer, I'm going to give credit to the writer Paul Hoynes of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, broke this story. The Indians were offered this trade. They were offered... Samarja, and Hamill. And they were going to give up Francisco Lindor, Tyler Naquin, and Danny Salazar. And the Indians turned it down. Well, I'm not so sure that was necessarily a bad deal for them to turn down. Uh, the, Cubs are, the, the Cubs were certainly not going to be competitive this year. And, you know, they're building from, from the I think, the right way. Uh, they're building from the ground up. Uh, with the Indians, uh, I don't know where they are in terms of their belief of what they can do this year. And, uh, you know, it, it just you'd have to decide whether or not that those two pitches, certainly Samarja would add something to their to their staff. But, I, you know, the, the Indians have a, a very good young pitching staff. They're not pitching well now. But do you make the decision to blow that thing up and start over at this point? I, again, I don't know enough about the rotation to make that determination. I don't think it's so much of blowing it up because of Samarja's age. I know Hamill's 29, but Samarja's only 25. And he would fit into that rotation uh, fairly well, especially with the chance of losing Justin Masterson at the end of the year. I mean, and then you've got Zach McAllister, who's still toiling away in Columbus. I mean, you've got several options that you can take. And like you said, Oakland now has pieces. That could have given the Indians some pieces. And I guess my, do I want to give up on Lindor? No. Naquin and Salazar, yeah, I probably would have given up in that deal. Push come to shove, if I knew I was going to have Samarja and Hamels for a while, I probably would have made that deal. But I had a wise man tell me earlier today, Mark, that if the Indians didn't make that deal and it's because they didn't want to give up on Lindor, then it's time to bring Lindor up to the Major League Club and start playing him. Because this is the third year in a row that the Indians have turned down a major deal that Lindor was involved in, and it's time now for them to either put up or shut up. Let's get rid of Cabrera, like I said last week. Let's bring Lindor up to the Major League Ball Club, and let's see what he can do. Well, yeah, I, I think the Cubs um, or the Indians are probably, in my opinion, I'm not trying to, to denigrate the Indians by any means, but I think the situation is a little different between the Indians and the Reds. I, I think the Reds' pitching staff is much more solid than that of the Indians, up and down. And the Reds still have a chance to win this year, which is so frustrating because they're not bringing anybody to help. But if you're going to give up Lindor, uh if you're the Indians and and go with some and go with Cabrera at shortstop, 
that that's a different approach. It's a different direction you're going to take. And if you give up Lindor, then that means you're stuck with Cabrera for the foreseeable future, and you're going to rely on the pitching you're going to get in that trade to let you win now. But do you think the Indians have enough in the tank to win now, even with Samarja and Hamels? To win a division the way Detroit's bullpen is, yes. To win a world's championship, no. Well, again, I, I defer to your judgment on, on where the Indians are in their development, but I don't think that the Indians are one or two players away from winning. And that's the difference I see in the two teams. I think the um, the Reds could be one player or even t- certainly two players away from winning it. And that, that, that's the difference. And I think that kind of decision or determination by the general ma- manager will go a long way in determining what they're going to do, if anything. Now, the, the other... Yeah, I, just, I, I tend to disagree with that. I, I agree with you as far as the Reds are concerned. As far as the Indians are concerned, I think if they could bring in somebody that could back clean up and and be a consistent uh, bat in that number four spot of the lineup, Mark, and play either right field or third base, I think that would be that would put them over the top in this division. Kansas City is not going to win the division. I'm not even Detroit probably will win the division, Mark, but they're going to do it despite their bullpen. Well, I just don't think the, I mean, again, uh, from the outsider looking in, I don't know what player, if you could have any player in the league, what player would you bring in that you think could put the Indians over the top? Giancarlo Stanton. I'm not sure he could with that pitching staff. With, with the way the guys are pitching now, and you're, by your own admission, the pitching staff is not going well. I, I don't think one... My- one bat is going to make a difference with the, with the Indians. Now, it could with the Reds. I, I always go back to something my father told me about the 1968 Indians with Sam McDowell and Louis Tiant. Louis Tiant made the comment about that 68 Indians team. If I give up one run, we tie. If I give up two runs, we lose. And I think that's the mentality that this Indian staff has right now, and that's the mentality I'm afraid the Red staff is going to start getting if they continue to go this way. That when you look at that, you go into every ball ball game, Mark, that starting pitcher thinks, I can't give up more than one run, and if I do, we've got a shot at losing this ball game. And I think if you've got a big bopper in the middle of that lineup, that's why I think Nelson Cruz on either the Reds or the Indians would make so much of a difference for both ball clubs all over. Not just at the plate, but at the mound too, even though he doesn't pitch. Those pitchers would go out there relaxed, knowing that if they give up two or three runs, it's not the end of the game. Well, again, we are not paid to make those kinds of decisions, uh, but on an objective basis, I, I just don't think that one player... If one player can't make a difference in your team, then I don't see the reason to make a deal. And I and Giancarlo Stanton isn't going to go anywhere, number one. But uh, no, but you asked me if I could have any player. Yeah, yeah and, and I think, <laughs> but I think you made my point. I don't think having Giancarlo Stanton makes the Indians a winner. And he's the best guy out there for you by your own admission. I just don't think the Indians are good enough. And, and that's because I don't think their pitching is good enough. Well, I, I quite frankly think that their their pitching is good enough. I think they've got better pitching uh, throughout. Well, especially the bullpen. They've got they definitely got a better bullpen than Detroit. I think they've got a as as good a bullpen as um, Kansas City does. But again, I go back to this Nelson Cruz thing, Mark. Eight million dollars. The Indians spent six million on David Murphy. Six million a year, and here's Nelson Cruz for two million dollars more. They could have had him in the cleanup spot. But Dave, that, the Reds—that's that, ancient history now. And I think in terms of what this team needs, let's talk about the Indians for a second. 
I just don't see that there is anything out there that you could bring in that is going to be a big enough change maker on that roster to put them over the top. Not and, if you don't give up Lindor. You're right. But even if you give up Lindor, I mean, who who could you get for Lindor? He's he's an unproven AAA guy. He's got lots of talent. He he should be a, a very serviceable major league player. But is he? I mean, is he going to be a, a Derek Jeter? Is he going to be a Barry Larkin? Probably not. So, what you have to offer, number one, is limited. But what you are going to be getting in return, just to make a deal, unless it. In in my opinion, I don't want the Reds to make a deal just to make a deal. I want them to make a deal that they think can win the division. <clears throat> and in the Reds' case, I think they're one player away. I, I don't know who that player is. Uh, I don't know all the you know the rosters and, and how they are shaking out and who who's available and so on. But uh, I think the Reds have a chance with that one player uh, to make a difference. Well, I heard I heard two rumors. This week, uh, for the for the the Indians, I'm sorry for the Indians, that they're actually talking with the New York Mets about bringing Bartolo Colon back. Yeah. Why? I mean, come on, guys, really? the The guy's arm is hanging on by a thread, and and he's he's almost ate his way out of the major leagues, and he's 42 years old for crying out loud. The second one is Alfonso Soriano. They want to bring him in. The Yankees just designated him for assignment. Why do you want to bring in Alfonso Soriano? He's 38 years old and can't hit the ball. He's another Jason Giambi, Mark. Here we go again with another reclamation project. Well, that's not reclamation. That's uh, Social Security. <laughs> Antiquing. Yeah, Social Security. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. I, I, I just I don't get these guys. You're right. We must be in Star Trek land. I'm not quite sure where we are. We're, we're going warp speed, and uh, Antonetti and Jockety are going the, the Amish method with the horse and buggy here while we're at warp speed. Well, speaking of warp speed and speaking of our teams, uh, in all the years I've been following the Reds, i got to say, I have never seen a better defensive team than this team. And that goes back a long way, even back into the Big Red Machine era where they had a great defensive team. Uh, th this team is by far the best statistically in major leagues. I think they've only committed 31 or 32 errors all year, which is unbelievable. But it's, it's the – they just threw out another guy at the plate. And I bet you they've had 10 or 12 guys that the outfielders have thrown out at the plate on t fantastic relay throws from the outfield to an infielder. Uh, they had two happen on Saturday. Uh, they, they've just done a fantastic job on defense, and that is what, along with the great pitching, has kept this team competitive. But when you have arguably, well, not arguably, you have statistically and by every, every, every other measure the best defensive team in baseball, you've got mm -hmm. a great uh, starting rotation that leads the league in innings pitched by the starting staff. Uh, the low, I think they had the lowest ERA or second lowest of the starting staff. And they get a bullpen that has, at the back end, Jonathan Broxton with an 055 ERA and Chapman in the ninth inning. I mean, they've got so many great pieces on this team. That's, that's where the frustration comes in. But I, I tell you, Dave, I, you and I have talked about, the, you know, Robbie Alomar and uh, Brandon Phillips, who was, the be, you know, the best defensive second baseman, and I think they're, they're tied for first. But... Uh, it's not just him. It is up and down the lineup. This, this team is just a great defensive team. You know, the, when you bring up a great defensive team, the one I think about almost automatically is the 69 through 71-72 Baltimore Orioles. Do oh, you yeah. think this Reds team is as good as that team defensively? Yeah, I think – yeah, I do. And I, and I would bet statistically they are. <clears throat> I don't know – if you have, you know, a WAR, a war on defense statistic, you could go back and calculate. But, you know, that, that team had uh, Mark Belanger. They had uh, Brooks Robinson. Uh, they had Davey Johnson. Uh, I mean, they had and Paul Blair in center field, Frank Robinson. I mean, that, that was a great team defensively. Mm -hmm. But the Reds, 
up and down their defensive lineup, uh, it's as good as any I've seen, and I, I would like to have somebody debate that with me because I, I don't know of one better. And I think by the end of the year, it may be proved statistically, objectively, that it's the best or one of the best. But, uh, you know, sure enough, the Reds will probably lose tonight because of an error, but it doesn't negate what they've done all year defensively. And uh, they had another example of it tonight. Well, of course, next week is the All-Star break. Uh, both teams are playing through Sunday. Next Tuesday night is the All-Star break. Next Monday night, Mark and I will be discussing Pete Rose and the website LiftTheBand.net with Donald Nepper, who's an attorney out of Maryland. And he is a big Pete Rose fan. He's met Pete Rose. Uh, he is the founder of the website LiftTheBand.net, primarily orchestrated to try to get Bud Selig to lift the permanent ban against Pete Rose. He's going to be our guest next Monday night here on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. But both teams had their players announced for the All-Star game. The Indians got one guy. That was Michael Brantley, very deserving. Corey Kluber is one of the five final vote candidates for the American League team. The others are Houston's Dallas Kochel, uh Detroit's Rick Porcello, the Los Angeles Angels' Uh, Garrett Richards, and the Chicago White Sox, Chris Sale. Frankly, I think it's Chris Sale, hands down, but that's just me. The Reds, on the other hand, had four players named to the All-Star team. Devin Mezzarocco, Johnny Cueto, Todd Frazier, and Araldus Chapman. Mark, were you surprised at any of those four players? I was a little surprised at Mezzarocco. Um, I, um, I think Matheny, uh, the, the Cardinal manager who made the selection. He was a manager's selection. Uh, a lot of kudos have to go to him uh, because uh, I don't think Mezzarosco, he only played, uh, he's played, I think, 30 games fewer or 40 games fewer than some of the other guys, but he's put up some unbelievable numbers. And uh, so he's deserving, no doubt. I was just surprised that he was added. Well, it's time now for our Ask Us segment. You can send us your questions. You can send it to me on Facebook, or you can send it to us at dmitch at ultimatesportstalk.com or ask us at ultimatesportstalk.com. Mark, we talked about Starlin Castro before we went on the air, the Cubs shortstop. And Devin tonight sends in a question. Could Starlin Castro be a good fit with the Reds? You could move him to second base and Brandon Phillips put a third. Uh... Well, yeah, I think he's got enough talent. He certainly could help in a lot of teams. Uh, I would not replace Zach Cozart. I don't know who you're going to give up uh, to get him. That, that's the big issue. Uh, he, he's a great talent, and I think he may be around for a while. But, um, yeah, the, answer, the short answer is yes. He, he, he certainly would be an intriguing player. The problem with him, he's one of those kids that, uh, you know, we've said it before. He's got a million dollars worth of talent and a ten-set head. Um, right. He, he hasn't uh, he hasn't demonstrated a maturity level yet in the big leagues that would give me comfort to give up a lot uh, to to bring him into the organization. Uh, the Cubs aren't going to give him away, but the Cubs have a lot of talent in, in the minor leagues. They really do. And uh, if you know they are uh, looking to, to deal him they're probably going to be looking for some starting pitching back after giving up the two guys they gave up last week. So, and the Reds, you know, the Reds have, the Reds have it. I mean, if, yeah, they do. If you think that Joey Votto is done for the year and I heard Marty Brenneman today, you know, voice that possibility, he's certainly going to go in the DL, they think. And they don't believe that 15 days is going to be enough, you know, to, to help him. So you, you could, Put put Castro at third base, move Frazier to first, and yeah, that would be a great deal. But I, I think we may be blowing smoke on that one. I'm not sure the Reds would want to pick up the kind of money that that kid would would warrant. But he could, man, imagine him batting behind uh, Billy Hamilton. Wow, the kind of speed at the top of the lineup would be very intriguing. So count me in for Castro, but I think it's a pipe dream. Well, I'm going to cheat on this one, Devin, because. I'd like to have him on the Indians. I would give up Tyler Naquin and Danny Salazar right now, even up for Starling Castro. I would put Castro at second base, and I would move Kipnis to third 
and move Chisenhall to right field. That is what I would do with that team. I would bring Lindor up and let Lindor and Castro play short and second together. Like I said, move Kipnis to third, and uh, I'd be happy. Well, again, I mean, I wouldn't hold your breath if... if um, no. I, I think Castro is, is, is really a talent, and um, I don't know where he would fit in on either team, but uh, if a guy can hit and field, you're going to make room for him. Hey, by the way, I wanted to point out before we get to the next question, I don't know if you noticed that uh, Bronson Arroyo yes. had, not, had not missed a start in, what, 14 years or whatever it is, uh, is undergoing season-ending Tommy John surgery. And uh, that's really, he's a great guy. I've met Bronson two or three times, and he is a really cool guy. And I wish him well, and I hope this is not something he cannot come back from. Uh, but uh, something was wrong with him this year. And it's ironic the Reds finally get rid of him. And there were a number of people who wanted him to be re-signed. And, you know, kudos to the Reds front office in this case for, for not re-signing somebody. And maybe they knew something that, that nobody else knew. But if they did, uh, well, of course. They're not going to say it. Well, it wouldn't matter because uh, Bronson signed as a free agent, so the Reds aren't responsible for that if he was hurt. True. And what's amazing, Mark, is that Arroyo, they figure, made six starts with that ulnar collateral ligament being torn. Yeah, and he pitched pretty well in two or three of them, I know. I know he got beat up a couple times, but um, the Reds beat him up for sure. Uh, I think yep. within that six start uh, period, but uh, he, Bronson Arroyo is is really a professional player, and, and he's a he takes it seriously, and uh, he's a great athlete, and I, and I hope he can come back. I really like Bronson. Well, Archie Kelly wrote to me on Facebook and asked this question: Derek Jeter should not be starting in the All Star game. It's the All-Star game, not the let's-say-goodbye-to-Jeter game. This is why the All-Star vote needs to be taken out of the fans' hands. What do you guys think? Mark, you have the floor. I agree 100%. And I, I think there, there could be a role for Derek Jeter, maybe as a manager add-on, uh, but not to be voted in as your starting shortstop. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. But... At the same time, he's had a great career, and I'm not dissing his career, but I think he would he's a kind of athlete, a kind of professional athlete, that would be the first to agree that he doesn't deserve it, and he's being honored in, 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 a, in a way by the fans, but that doesn't help the American League win, which is okay with me. But uh, <laughs> I agree with the, with the questioner. See, I, I disagree. I think the All-Star game needs some help. And that's going to be our last Ask Us segment coming up here in a couple of minutes for another reason. But I like the idea of Derek Jeter actually being the shortstop for the All-Star game. It's for a couple, three innings he'll be out. They did the same thing with Cal Ripken Jr. ten years ago. Uh, you know, this happens all the time, Mark, with, with these athletes that do it. Well, it all depends how, how serious you are about trying to win the game. Now, the question would be, if you're playing in the World Series... Are you going to start Derek Jeter at the last game if you have an opportunity to start somebody who's better? And the answer would be no. You'd start the guy who's better. Now, I'm, I, I don't know who necessarily is going to be better than Derek Jeter for three or four innings. Is he going to hurt you? Probably not. But the question is, if, if you're trying to win the game, and, and it, this goes back to how you fill out the rosters. I mean, if you're trying to win the game, wouldn't it make sense for the National League manager to bring in Billy Hamilton to take a roster spot because he could, he could win the game for you in the ninth inning by stealing the base. So I agree. You know, it's just a matter of what your priorities are. If your priority is to honor a player very worthy, Derek Jeter has been a great player for a long time, but I, I'm not sure he's the best choice to help you win the game. Your point well, is that's not as important. I, I Well, my point is, now I'll get I'll get to my point on our last question. Just just hang on. Okay, Jamie writes to us tonight. Mark, you always say the Reds have the best starting pitching rotation in Major League Baseball. 
How do you now stack up the A's starting staff with the Reds? Well, I don't say the Reds have the best starting staff. I, ha I say they have one of the best starting staffs, and I will, I will stand by that. Um, you know, in, in any given 10-game period, you might have a staff get hot and, and you know, catch fire and, and be very dominant. But I, I think the A's, uh, up and down, um, what you, you compare what the Reds have with Latos, Cueto, Bailey, Simon, and Leak. Now, Dave, who would you match against those five in that order, assuming that's the one through five rotation for the Reds? Who would the A's put up there to go against Johnny Cueto as their number one? Well, as their number one, yeah, be Sonny Gray or Scott Casimir. But you could also throw Samarja in there now because if you remember, Samarja was actually leading the National League in ERA before he was traded. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying it. You go up and down the lineup, and I don't think one staff dominates the other. I mean, Johnny Cueto has the best ERA. He did have the best ERA, I guess. He was overtaken by Samarja recently, but up until last week, he had the best best ERA in the league. Uh, so that would be a great one-on-one -on -one matchup. It would uh, be. And, and Sonny Gray has been dominant for the last two years. So uh, then who would you throw against Latos? Oh, Casimir. Well, you know, up until two years ago, Casimir was not a guy that, you know, was putting fear in the hearts of hitters, but he's had two great years. But, again, I, I think you're you're comparing – uh, two teams that could be one or one A in terms of their starting rotation. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure who I would pick. If, if you had to have, that's an interesting question, if you had to have one rotation, but you had to pick all five, you just have to pick one. <laughs> you have to pick one rotation. Which one would you take? <laughs> you know what bothers me about the Reds rotation? No left-hander. That That's the one thing that bothers me about the Reds rotation. That's why I've never really challenged you about moving Chapman into the starting rotation. Because, or or since Sangrani's out, they have no left-hander. Um, now, Oakland does. But do I like the Reds starting staff over the A's or vice versa? You know, I've got to go with the Reds, Mark, even though they don't have the left-hander. But, it's like you said, it's 1A and 1B. Yeah, I'm not hung up on that left-hander in the rotation. I don't think that, you know, I'd rather have four really tough right-handers than throw in some chinky left-hander who, who gets hit around a little bit. But, um, you know, there's more right-handed hitters in the league than left-handers anyway. So, uh, that that's to the favor of the right-handed staff. But, uh, you know, you try, I'm trying not to be prejudiced here, but uh, right now Johnny Cueto is, is just about as tough as there is out there. And, uh, you know, the Reds have a chance to do something with that rotation. But, you know, if, if the point is, getting back to the questioner, I don't think you're going to go wrong by taking either of those staffs. If you've got an offense to, to complement either one of those staffs, man, you, you, you're a long way toward... Uh, winning your division. And I think Oakland, what they did, uh, I really admire Billy Bean for pulling the trigger on that kind of deal. Oh, I, I do too. I think it was an outstanding trade. And, and Mark, you know, the All-Star game, th this is going to lead into our last question, but who do you think will start for the National League pitcher? Well, that's a good question. Um, See, I think Tanaka will end up starting for the American League. Well, it all depends on who pitches Sunday. Because I think Clayton Kershaw is scheduled to pitch Sunday, and so is Johnny Cueto. So well, that means that they, they can take them off the all-star. They can take them off the roster and replace them then. That's right, they can. But those guys still get honored and can still go to the game. Right. Uh, you, know, you lost Samarja. He can't pitch, even though he's a National League all-star. Okay, let me interrupt you right there, just for the, because that leads us into our last question. Okay, as the bell tolls, sends in this question. Samarja was elected as the National League All-Star. Major League Baseball has said he is ineligible to play because of the league switch. 
he will be introduced with the National League players and wear a generic National League jersey. How can Major League Baseball have it both ways as the bell tolls ask that question? Mark, he's got a great point. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was named to the National League All-Star team, now can't pitch for the National League because he's been traded to the American League simply because this game is going to determine home field advantage in the World Series. This is going from the ridiculous to the sublime. Yeah, I guess you're inferring that if you put him in there, he's going to throw 82-mile-an-hour fastballs and get lit up so his team loses, so his new team, if they go to the World Series, would have home field advantage. That's what you're saying. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That's what Major League Baseball is saying. Yeah. And, and Samarja has already said, he said it today when the Major League Baseball came out with this, this ruling, that he's just going to put on this National League jersey He's going to go over to the American League dugout and hang out with the other guys. Well, it's it's a situation that's happened before. It's not one that happens frequently. Uh, but in the case, you know, I think it's much ado about nothing, candidly. But uh, he's, he's, according to him, he is thrilled to be with the A's, and he should be because they have a chance to win everything, and he could be a big part of that. So it's it's a I think it's a small price to pay for him not to be in the All Star game, not to pitch in it. He's going to be named, uh, not to pitch in it, and uh, have a chance to win a ring. Has this happened before? I I really don't remember it ever happening. Uh, I can't remember it off the top of my head. Uh, I'm trying to think when Tom Seaver came over from the Mets to the Reds in 1977. When that happened. I tend to think it was after. As a matter of fact, I think it was before the All Star break. But he. Well, stayed, yeah, but he still he still was yeah. allowed to be on the All Star team. That's right. He stayed in the same league. That's right. So I can't remember this recently happening. I, I I would tend to think it probably has, because it's so near the trade deadline. Yeah. That 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 one. Uh, oof. I don't know. I think Major League Baseball. The the more they make this All Star game mean something the more trouble they run into. It just it, It's just falling into that way. Hey, that's going to do it for our Ask Us segment here tonight. Thanks for the, all the questions. They were extremely good ones here this evening. You can send us your questions for next week's show, the All-Star Edition, and that will be to DMitch and Ask Us at UltimateSportsTalk.com. Mark, Baseball America came out with their 50, their 50 top minor leaguers at the mid-season point for the 2014 season. The Reds and Indians have two each in the top 50. The Reds at number 20, Robert Stevenson. Of course, everybody knows Mark's been talking about him. He's 21 years old. He's having a tough year. He's only 3-6 and six with a 4.94 ERA. And according to Baseball America, Mark, they're calling it a mediocre season for a 21-year-old who needs to develop more consistent command. Would you agree with that out of Stevenson? Yeah, I do. And uh, I've only seen him pitch twice this year on TV. I mean, this guy can run it up there at 100 miles an hour, but as is the case with a lot of young guys like that who have that kind of a power arm, it takes a while to, to learn how to control it. And having the secondary and third pitch as a starter, and even the fourth pitch now, is almost a necessity. And I know what that happens in the minor leagues a lot. They they force these kids to go out there and work on that third and fourth pitch, and sometimes they get lit up because they do that. Or not lit up, but they get hit enough that their ERA is higher than it normally would be. Stevenson has the kind of arm, Dave, that if, if he came out and threw a fastball on a curve, he's going to win a lot more games than he loses. I would bet, not knowing, but I would bet that he has been working on other pitches, and, you know, when you throw a change up there that doesn't do anything, these guys are going to whack it. And uh, But I, I think the Reds are pretty happy with the talent they've got in that kid. Who is he similar to in the major leagues right now? Um, good question. Uh, I tell you, uh, he reminds me of a very young Roger Clemens. That kind of body. Okay. I mean, he, he is a really strong young man who's going to fill out. He's only 21 years old. I mean, this kid could be, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 215, 220, and he, he can bring it. Uh, he's got a very, very live arm. 
So, um, you know, I think a lot of these guys go through these periods where they're not overpowering, but uh, he's certainly not getting killed. He's just not pitching as well as everybody thought he would. Right. The second player for the Reds in the top 50 came in at number 29, and that's Jesse Winkler, who's 20 years old. He was batting 317 with 13 homers and 49 RBIs with Bakersfield before being moved up to AA Pensacola, and now he's hitting 232. He's a bat-first outfielder, is what uh, Baseball America calls him, and he's one of the best pure hitters in the minors and has excellent power potential. Have you seen him play, Mark? I've seen him play about 15 times. He played for the Dayton Dragons. And he has as pretty a swing as I've seen for a long time. He's going to develop some power, and he's the kind of kid that can help the Reds, you know, for a long time, given his, uh, oh, boy, two-run home run by the Cubs. Anyway, um, he has an opportunity to, to be a good hitter for a long time, and uh, just, a, just a beautiful swing. Uh, he'll, he'll develop some power as he ages, and I think he'll be up with the Reds maybe even next year. Well, the Indians also, as I said, had two players on this midseason top 50 minor leaguers for the year. At number six is, of course, Francisco Lindor. We've talked about him tonight. He's 20 years old. He's batting two seventy nine for AA Akron right now. And Clint Frazier came in at number 42. He's 19 years old. He's batting 250 for uh, the Lake County Monsters. And according to to Baseball America, Frazier's season has been less than one would hope for for a top five draft pick, but he has shown flashes in his first full year. This is actually his first full year. He was the Indians' number one draft pick a year ago, and he played only two months in the Instructional League in Arizona. Now he's at A-ball, and he's struggling. But then again, you know, Mark, a lot of these minor leaguers, it's not so much hit or miss, but you don't see guys that are mediocre during their first year of the minor leagues, do you? You normally see somebody that really starts hitting the hitting the heck out of the baseball, or they do struggle. Yeah, it's uh, so much of it is how the, the the organization approaches their minor leagues. Some go after a, 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 a they try to develop an organization that wins. That's all they care about is winning. Other organizations go after developing players. They don't care about winning, so they'll they'll play different players, have them do different things, like like with Stevenson. If you want to win, you don't worry about him developing his third or fourth pitch. You go out there and say win. Uh, the same with hitters. Sometimes they will take a hitter who you know has some great bat speed, but they want this guy to learn how to go to the opposite field or learn how to bunt or do some other things that might impair their statistics and might even impair their ability to win. So a lot of it is up to the organization, how they view their minor leagues. I know up until this year, as a matter of fact, the Reds really didn't care about winning in the minor leagues. They made a point this year, at least they announced it, that they were going to load up some of these teams, keep some kids back so they could win their division, get get used to that winning environment. And, and also, the, the franchises or the teams in their minor leagues were complaining because, hey, you're not giving us the, the kind of players that we need to win. So, uh, again, so many things are based on what the organization sees as the, the goal of their minor leagues. Yeah, and I and I agree with that. And one thing you've got to keep in mind here, Mark, Stevenson and Winkler, 21 and 20. In all honesty, if they'd have gone to college, they'd be juniors and seniors right now. And you look at Lindor and Frazier, crying out loud, Frazier's just a year out of high school, and Lindor would be a sophomore in college. Yeah, I mean, these kids are going to be up with their respective teams. They're going to be, you know, good minor leaguers. Uh, the, the Reds just don't have on their rosters at, that I see position players that can make a difference for this team. Now, it sounds to me when you talk about the Indians, they have many more position players that have higher upsides than the Reds do. The Reds have gone out and they have gotten pitching, pitching, pitching the last three or four years, that's all they, they seem to focus on. 
to to the point that they don't have a lot of people that can come up and help them right now on the bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that, that's a very good point. Moving on, Mark, are you familiar with the song from back in the 80s, 8675309? Sure. I'm not going to sing it. Don't don't worry. Okay, good. Well, Joe Madden of Tampa Bay, the manager of the Rays, <laughs> is very familiar with that song. Did you hear this story? I did, yeah. Okay. On Saturday against Max Scherzer of the Detroit Tigers, Tampa Bay's had trouble hitting the baseball lately. So on Friday night, evidently, Joe Madden heard the song, 8675309, and he decided the next afternoon that was how he was going to fill out his lineup card. Eight would be the leadoff hitter. That's the center fielder. Six would be his shortstop. He'd bat second. Seven, the left fielder would bat third. Now, zero was his DH. Now, you notice out of those seven numbers, two and four are not used. So, two, signifying the catcher, batted eight. That was Ryan Hannigan. And eight, uh, four, the second baseman, batted ninth. Very unique way for Joe Madden to fill, fill out the lineup card, but Max Scherzer ended up two-hitting him. Yeah, don't forget, too, that before going into that game, Tampa had one of the worst offensive teams in baseball. So, I think it was his, his way of saying, well, I can't do any worse. But he did. <laughs> Mark, do you re- uh, tell me, can you remember any other managers that have pulled something uh, to, to fill out a lineup card? Any strange yeah, ways that they've done it? Yeah, I have heard of that. I, I've heard of managers pulling numbers out of the hat. Morning. Billy Martin. Yeah, Billy Martin, yeah. Uh, and I, I think that, uh, who's the manager? Oh, Earl Weaver, I think, did that one time. So, you know, it's just... You know, it's not going to uh, happen very frequently because I think the managers w- would take too much heat from the press. But I think in the case of uh, what Tampa Bay did, I, I don't think anybody took exception to it. And I, no. I was curious what the lineup looked like by doing it that way. Was it that uh, w- with the DH? I'm not sure it matters that much, but, <laughs> you know. I, I just thought it was a rather unique way to do it. Hey, a couple of things before we sign off tonight, Mark. I predicted the Indians' magic number in July had to be 14 wins in 25 games. Right now, they're at four. Cincinnati, you predicted out of the 26 games that they're playing in July, their magic number was 17. Right now, they are at two. And I want to send out a shout-out. Got to send out a shout-out this week to my niece, Alexis Mitchell. Mark, she is going to be down they're in your neighborhood near Kings Island in Cincinnati for the Pure American Pageant, National Teen Pageant this week. Uh, she is going for the queen of the state of Ohio. In the, or, uh, she is the queen for the state of Ohio. She's going for the national honor, and that's this week, Wednesday through Saturday. So I want to give her a shout-out and wish her a lot of luck. I can't believe that a beautiful young girl came out of your gene pool. Well, if you saw my brother, you would realize that it is probably even more hard to believe. <laughs> so, I, I'm sorry. I hope my brother's not listening tonight. Otherwise, I'm really in trouble. Mark, what do the Reds have going on the rest of the weekend of the All-Star break? Well, Let me got, get out of here before I really get in trouble. <laughs> they've got five games, including a doubleheader tomorrow night, which I'm going to, by the way, um, against the Cubs. They've five games against the Cubs. And then they have three games heading into the All-Star break against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So uh, if the Reds can hold their own against Chicago and win, you know, at least three, maybe four of those five games and then do well against Pittsburgh, they'll go into the All-Star break in a, in a pretty good position. But, you know, if they can, if they get nailed here by Chicago and uh, have a rough week against Pittsburgh, uh, we could be talking about the Reds being sellers by the trade deadline. Well, same thing with the Indians. They're hoping to be over 500 heading into the All-Star break this weekend. They've got a four-game set beginning tonight with the New York Yankees. They end that on Thursday, and then the White Sox come to town for Friday, a Saturday afternoon tilt, and a Sunday afternoon tilt, and then it is the All-Star game. Mark, next week we've got Donald Nepper, 
founder of the website LiftTheBand.net. We'll be talking about the All-Star Game and Pete Rose next Monday night. Have a good week. Same to you, David. Thanks, Mark. And thanks most of all to you guys for listening here this evening. Our thanks also to Greg Mitchell. Join me Thursday night with the Ultimate Sports Talk Show at 7 o'clock. Mark and I will be back again, as I said, next Monday night at 9 o'clock with the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Until then, for Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Good night, everybody.